podcast with your field representatives from right around Australia. In this podcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to growing healthy horticultural crops. We are passionate about the future of horticulture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Hortcast. Welcome to Bayer Hortcast. This is episode five, and my name's Craig White. I'm a market development agronomist with Bayer in Western Australia, working predominantly in the broadacre crops, but also touching occasionally with horticultural crops, which are very interesting and, of course, very, very important for world food supply. And joining me today is one of my colleagues, Territory Business Manager Ian Cook in horticulture. How are you today, Ian? I'm good, Craig. Thank you very much. Good to be on here, mate. Yeah, really good to have you, Cookie. Um, look, I've known you for a long, long time, um, over many, many, many years, probably 25 years, let's say, but uh, it's great to have you on Bayer Hawkcast today, and we want to touch uh, mainly on some some issues that have happened in your area, but just sort of just touch on first, where do you operate and the range of crops that you sort of look after in your role? Okay, so Craig, I do the... Um the Hort for Bayer and WA, obviously. So that's um, one. I came across to the Hort role three years ago. So started doing the Hort in early 2018, and I'd come across from um, yeah. Prior to that, I was three years um, with Bayer doing the Northern Wheat Belt. So it was quite a big change for me. Um, I'd been doing territory sort of business manager roles for best part of sort of 15 to 16 years prior to that. Which takes us back to when uh, when we first uh, crossed paths, Craig, back in uh, in Merritt, in, uh, when you were a budding agronomist, That's and uh, yeah, I'd I'd gone up there to um, yeah, broaden my experience, I suppose. I'd come out of distribution and uh, yeah, started my first um, business manager role in two thousand and one. So yeah, where have all those years gone, boy? It's happened quickly, mate. They sure have, but yeah, they were good, good years, and we did a lot of work together and learned a lot of things off you, Cookie, and I hope uh, the other way around too, as we experience things together. So, never ending in this uh, great agricultural and horticultural world that we uh, live in, you know, producing great clean, clean food. So, what are some of the sort of crops that you're looking after in Western Australia? Uh, well, WA is quite diverse. I mean, um, it's probably the first thing that I noticed when I came across. Um, if you look at the size of WA, and you've got, um, you've virtually got Hort, sort of the full length of the state. So um, we've got the Old River region where they're um, they're, they're starting to, uh, to to get into um, cotton at the moment. I mean, wow. um, it's not their main crop up there, but that's the developing market up there. Uh, they're always big, also big on the cucurbits, so they grow a lot of watermelon up there. Um, there's a lot of maize growing up there, corn, um, which goes into those Malaysian markets. And then we've got the uh, the broom area, which is developing as well. There's table grapes there, and uh, further south of um, uh, uh, broom, there's um, under pivots, there's corn and, and beans, green beans. Yeah, and then we've got uh, Carnarvon and, uh, yeah, a variety of uh, crops growing there, including watermelon again, um, pumpkin, um, yeah, tomatoes, uh, capsicum. And then, of course, we've got the Perth metro area and we stretch down to the uh, the wine-growing region down at Mo River. So, you know, it's quite it's quite a large, diverse sort of farming area and there's not many hawk crops that, that aren't grown in WA. Yeah, really interesting, and look, a huge breadth of crops there, as you point out. 
um, right across Western Australia, and you uh, you know Bayer has solutions in pretty much all of those for you know keeping the the pests and diseases away in particular. And I says one area that you know recently we had a some pretty big rainfall events, which I know all the broadacre areas were rejoicing about to have all that rain and subsoil moisture going into the twenty twenty one. Uh, broadacre planting season, but I know that presented some real challenges, Cookie, uh, certainly for the wine growing areas. So we wanted to talk about that a little bit today. So what what happened? Yeah, well that's right. Well, we we, we sort of um, we started off quite mild, so uh, just going back a step. So um, you know, prior to flowering and overflowering during the sort of uh, month of uh, late October, November, um, things were quite cool. But then we kicked into um, December and January, and 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 it turned sort of there was a lot a lot of warmer weather and and strong easterly warm easterly breezes. And as you can imagine, in the summertime, sort of keeping the water up to crops when you've, you know, got got sort of strong easterly, warm easterly winds, it's a bit of a challenge. So that you know, things are wanting to dry out. Mm, they, were, they were certainly, that, um, Cookie. They were certainly some strong winds. Some of the strongest easterlies we've experienced for many, many years. And yeah, we were pretty worried about the fire risk actually. And we had a few bushfires and things which really took yeah. off under those windy conditions. So I can imagine only how challenging. That would be under irrigation to keep the water up, as you say. Yeah, and there was a, a cut-off flow that made its way down the west coast, basically, and you know, everyone was trying to predict sort of, um, you know, how bad it was going to be. And there was a bit of noise happening in that wine-growing region as to whether or not it was going to get that far south and then how much of a problem it was going to present. And as it turned out, it sort of uh, it did make its way down and it... Um, you know, when it hit sort of towards the end of the first week in, in February, I mean, there were rain, rainfall was anywhere from 60 to 120 mil of rain in the region, which is substantial. Mm. Uh, when you consider that, uh, you know, a lot of the guys were um, getting close to starting harvest with their whites, the whites are always first to harvest and sugar levels would have been quite high. And to get, um, you know, get rain rainfall over that period is always a, a real challenge. So, um, yeah, I was on the phone a bit prior to it and, you know, I was trying to get um, product out to the guys in preparation. But, um, yeah, and that's where Serenade Opti fitted in, right? Um, yeah, being a proprietor side, it was, uh, yeah, it was right up the alley you know, to, to, to go into that market. Yeah, well, that's really interesting because obviously with that rain, it would create great conditions for uh, certainly botrytis to, to flourish and potentially even split berries and things open, I suppose, grapes, uh, as you've sort of pointed out there. But let's touch now sort of moving into Serenade Opti being an option there. And as you said, the phone was probably running very hot um, during that period. Step us through, you know, what is um, Serenade Opti? Just give listeners a a, a, a sort of quick summary of it, and then we'll touch a bit more on how it was used here in Western Australia after those events. Yeah, well, um, Serenade Opti is a biofungicide, so it's um, it's probably a little bit different than other products on the market. And, um, there are other products that are more uh, colonisers rather than than um, the metabolite products. So how how that is, um, Serenade Opti is is basically a product 
of fermentation. So um, if you can imagine that um, it's, and this is all on large scale, it's, uh, it's fermented in um, in large vats and, uh, you know, you've got the bacteria and we, we feed the bacteria a source of food, you might say, and, and when that happens, the the bacteria um, multiplies, and as it multiplies, it it actually excretes metabolites, and uh, probably better better described as lipopeptides, which are um, biological compounds that that go into the solution. Um, and th- these are building all the time as as the bacteria are, are multiplying. These um, these metabolites are getting more and more prominent in in solution, and they, these metabolites are what's doing the antifungal activity. So that's got a, a direct um, activity on on fungus uh, fungal diseases like botrytis. Um, it's also got antibacterial activity as well. Um, yeah, so you know it's these uh, lipopeptides that are that, that are doing the um, you know when they're applied to a, a, a bunch of grapes or a great bunch um yeah they're as a preventative they're stopping that um the, the cell from basically um developing um but it basically punches the germ cell and, and cause it to, to collapse wow. so the key is the key is to get it on as a preventative um and as i'm always more comfortable you know if you can get it on prior to a rain event i know it's not always possible but, you know, if you consider a rain event on the way, you don't know how long that rain event's going to persist to start with. So if you have at least got product on prior to that event, it does give you some breathing space. And, uh, look, the likelihood is that you, you, you're going to come, have to come back sort of after as well because you're going to have really highly conducive conditions for development. So you've just got to stay on top of the disease and stop it from um, developing, basically. Yeah, no, really important points there, Ian, about how to use it and what it is. And look back in episode four of Bayer Hawkcast, so the previous episode to this one, I spoke extensively with Denise Manker, who's from our biological headquarters, uh, product headquarters over in the United States. And she had a really in-depth view into how these beneficial species do things on there. So if you're interested more depth on that then go in there but also cookie i just wanted to point out that if you go to crop.bayer.com.au that's our website um, search for serenade opti and i'll put the links in the podcast notes um, there's a whole range of resources there so at a glance what does the product do uh, which crops can go into because it's quite broad actually uh, the number of crops that serenade uh, opti can be used in importantly also you know what it's compatible with it is nice and compatible with a range of of other uh, crop protection products and the really good uh, tab that I always point everyone to with every Bayer solution is the resources tab and the second one down there's a Serenade Opti crop guide for grapes and I'm sure that's going to back up uh, and give people that opportunity to read about what we talk about here today. Around Western Australia uh, Serenade Opti was obviously taken up a lot to protect uh, bunches of grapes importantly the fruit uh, from that, so yeah, what what actually happened there, Cookie, right around the the, the grape growing areas? Yeah, well, fe- feedback's been been positive. I mean, obviously, we're still um, we're still sort of in the harvesting process. So the, the, most of the whites would have been harvested, but we've sort of moved on to the to the reds now, and they're still still hanging. And I I suspect that harvest has started with some, but we'll sort of be ongoing for two to three weeks. But gen- generally, the um, the feedback's been been really good um i mean demand was certainly high 
Um, and you know the beauty the beauty with Serenade Opti as well is that because of its um, the nature of the compound that it is and the formulation that there's sort of not uh, no restrictions on sort of when when you can apply it as far as whether uh, temperature daytime temperatures and so forth. And as you said, its compatibility is really good uh, with with a. Uh, with a lot of the um, normally used products that go into the grapes as well. So, yeah, early days yet, and I'm still sort of working through getting sort of feedback, um, but but early indications are that it's 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 done a, a really good job. Uh, early challenging conditions, well, I mean, we had another rain event uh, probably a month or so after that rain event in, in early February, so that sort of put further pressure on products, and you can imagine that... Um, you know, it, it, it's really, uh, yeah, really challenging, I suppose, to stay on top of botrytis when you've got sort of um, ripening or, you know, high sugar levels in grapes and, and rain events happening. So, um, yep. yeah, I think I think generally growers have been really sort of forward thinking and, and, and have really tried to do the right thing. So let's hope, uh, let's hope it, it um, yeah, it's a positive result for them. Yeah, and it's good too, Ian, you, you mentioned about the compatibility and where it can be used, um, people being proactive because as we know it is, um, it is you know, protectant there as part of an integrated program, delivering a sort of an alternate mode of action to a lot of things. But importantly also, it is organically certified to some standards, which is I think really attractive to some some vineyards, of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that... Um We've just had our first season, basically, of that um, organic certification. So that came through in uh, February or March of last year. So we've just ticked over around twelve months. Um, but yeah, that's that's really uh, a really big one for the, um, the organic growers. Um, being able to yeah use a product like Dopti, it's going to be a, a handy product for them to use. Um, yeah, so as part of their yeah their integrated programs, of course, and yeah, they, yeah. yeah. The question I've got Ian, uh, we did cover this on episode four, but being a biological uh, product or biofungicide, uh, we know there's a lot of products, you know, other products out on the market that need refrigeration. For example, do you have to keep Serenade Opti in the refrigerator or cool room? <laughs> no, no, you don't. Um, that is that is one of the real advantages. So it can actually be stored in a, just in a normal um, shed. You you wouldn't want too many extremes. Yeah, I mean, no. I, I wouldn't be comfortable if it's 40, 45 plus degrees or forty degrees plus. And and most growers would know that that uh, you know you have to be reasonable how you store it. But um, unlike some products, it doesn't have to be refrigerated. So so really handy, useful, and I know. Uh, when I've spoken to Darren Alexander over in Adelaide, over in the Adelaide Hills, and I'm going to talk to him shortly after we finish here, um, he did mention that you know, back during I think when the um, you know there was issues with uh, electricity supply during the Adelaide Hills bushfires of a couple of seasons ago, that sort of coincide unfortunately with with uh, grape harvest time. That you know, just not having the even if you did have a cool room. It uh, wasn't running, so Serenade Opti was a really um, good logistical product for them then when they didn't, couldn't even put it in the cool room anyway. Yeah, for sure. In that situation, it would have been. The other thing is, it, you know, I mean, if you you can buy the product with the confidence, I mean, and you and basically could carry it over to the next year in, in your shed, basically. Um, so that, that's another advantage as well. Uh, that's really, really useful to know. So anything else about Serenade Opti that you wanted to – Pass over or anything else just in general for listeners 
during this sort of early or you know first quarter of 2021? Uh, well, prob- probably, um, you know, I'll be working with the guys where I can. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful of sort of getting um, guys a little bit more proactive sort of in purchasing earlier and, yeah, uh, they, these big rain events aren't always predictable. So um, I think, yeah, we've just got to be prepared where we can. And I'm, I'm talking purely from a, a, a supply point of view that, um, yeah, a certain percentage of what's needed maybe um, would be handy if it was sort of sitting in a shed, I suppose, um, a grower's shed. But um, well, I suppose what you're saying yeah. there really, Ian, is that, uh, you know, if you – listening to this or you've heard other growers try some Serenade Opti and you're interested, um, make that interest known to your local, you know, uh, stockist um, supplier uh, or get in touch with Bayer and you can do that quite easily. I'll have contact details in the show notes, podcast notes and yeah, any 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 insights into, you know, what the requirements are does help us. It all goes back into the, I suppose, the big big view of uh, how much Serenade Opti is going to be needed in Australian conditions. So you'd welcome feedback, yeah. I'm sure, Ian. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So, so we basically need to leave, you know, keep the communication open and, uh, yeah, try to manage manage it together as best as we can, I suppose, is the best way to look at it. So, Ian, really interesting to hear you talk about Serenade Opti and its place, especially with those big rainfall events and weather events that came through, placing massive um, you know, demand on supply, of the product during uh, this particular season. But um, obviously, you know, in summary, how would you summarise Serenade Opti in terms of what it can do and what it offers to Australian uh, horticultural growers? Yeah, I think probably flexibility is the key word there, Craig. So um, it can be used right through um, the, the whole sort of life cycle of the of the um, the crop so it could go early right through until harvest there's no withholding periods so that's uh, that, that's a big plus for growers it stores readily you know you don't need to keep it refrigerated with another big tick it's ticking a few boxes really there's flexibility there and uh, you know there are critical times probably when it should go on like um, you know if it, Nets going on, for instance, is important because it may be the last chance you have to get to, to get a fungicide on. So I, I, I see that as quite important. I see pre-bunch closure also as very important as well. So before those bunches close over, but um, look, I'm, I'm sure growers are aware of most of that. So yeah, I think it does offer a lot. So we just need to work proactively and uh, yeah. Um, Make sure we look after their uh, their crop. That's about the crux of it. Uh, really good, good cookie, really good summary there and very useful product in Serenade Opti. And thanks very much today for coming on and explaining that. And, of course, we've got the great resources available at the crop.bayer.com.au website, especially under that resources tab. You've got your label, safety data sheets, all range of crop guides um, and other good info. And, of course, Episode four um, with Denise Manka, really deep diving into the product itself. So, um, Ian Cook, thanks very much. I'm going to head across to uh, South Australia in a moment and catch up with one of your colleagues, Darren Alexander, in the Adelaide Hills. Thanks, Craig. Always good to catch up. Okay, see you later, mate. Right, see you, mate. Well, it was really good catching up with Ian Cook and talking about Serenade Opti and just the, you know, where that fitted this season, especially with those big rainfall events that came down through Western Australia. As I said, 
really exciting for broadacre growers. They love that extra rain coming in, but for some of the horticultural crops right at their peak, then uh, you know they were that was a real challenge. And Serenade Opti really helped out there, as Ian described. But over in South Australia, um, I want to catch up now with Darren Alexander over in the Adelaide Hills and the Adelaide Greater Region, South Australia, and just touch on Serenade Opti with Darren. So how are you today, mate? Oh, good. Thanks, Whitey. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, very good. Now, around this time last year, it might have been, we talked about Serenade Opti, actually, and just how well it was performing um, you know, a lot of great things going on there. I think the bushfires, unfortunately, had gone through South Australia and created some challenges of their own rights. But, um, you know, listeners can go back to episode one of Bayer Hawkcast and actually have a listen to that with Darren. But, Darren, 12 months on, um, how's Serenade Opti going in South Australia in the areas that you cover? It's going incredibly well. Thanks, Craig. And, um, it's gone from a product that people might think about, might use one day, to have, um, coming off a season, which has been a root overall of a perfect season for grapes. And some of the quality of the, the wine grapes that have been harvested this season are going to be some of the best we've seen in years. But um, that's a long time from flowering to harvest. And the addition of um, biological, like Serenade Opti, really slotted in when there was one of those... Uh, those um, those thunderstorms that came through or a bit of inclement weather that um, was conducive to botrytis and, and just really got the, got the growers across the line. Yeah, and I think you also mentioned some areas too that get the sea fog that comes in. That can be enough to really ramp things up as well. Yeah, they've been our regular users, the ones that, that get that humidity year in, year out. So they're, they're on like their, their third third season of using Serenade Opti and got a lot of com- confidence in it. But we had a lot of first-time users this year, and and so we've had a lot of people and agronomists and and um, coordinators and consultants that uh, really only exposed to it for the first time, and in in the majority of cases, have exceeded people's expectations. Now, Darren, I wanted to turn across to a new registration that Bayer's um, just come through, or has just come through, uh, just in recent weeks, and that's Lunar Sensation into Lettuce. Can you tell us what's happened there? Yeah, Bayer's brought their, their Group 7 fungicide. It's a, it's a co-formulation with uh, a Group 11, so co-formulation there, two, two actives going in at, as a sclerotinia product into the, into the lettuce crop, which will really um, give a, a remarkable um, control over sclerotinia and probably um, be ahead of what growers have been currently been using to date. So we've been able to catch up with our business development manager, Damien Hodges, um, get get in, around and see some growers and, and resellers in in South Australia already, and uh, yeah, that's we'll one on one speak to the growers and ensure that they they understand the product and uh, and use it at the at the right timing and get the most out of it, and um, should be in a far better control for for the old sclerotinia or or lettuce drop as some people refer to it. So yeah, looking forward to it. Great, great news, and uh, I think in the next uh, Bayer Hawkcast, I'll. Pick up on lunar sensation in lettuce for sclerotinia a little bit deeper and and uh, cover some of the areas and just how the early experiences out in the field is actually going with that. So thanks, Darren, for that one. That's very exciting. And finally, just want to touch on poem fruit and uh, Viego in that space. Uh, gee, there's some beautiful poem fruit coming off at the moment over here in Western Australia. I'm really enjoying the apples and pears that are coming out at the moment. But uh, I know you certainly are very close to the poem fruit in South Australia there and 
Um, just tell us what, what is Viego all about, what's it doing, and what are the early experiences like? Great, great result, great result. And, and it's, it's, it's Group 28 um, insecticide. It's, it's not the first one to come into the market, but um, it works works on mostly used for codling moth control or, or a bit of light brown apple moth in, in, in the palm fruit. But uh, the, the big advantage that we Bayer's brought to the to the table with their Group 28 insecticide is it's a, it's an effect on other other pests, um, including beetles, but um, Mostly um, weevils is what we've uh, seen. Doesn't always become an, an issue in the in the, in the apple growing area, but uh, by GS for a, a result this year, grower did use Vigo compared to where he didn't, and um, weevil damage there where he didn't use it was um, well, he, he didn't harvest that crop. So that's that's the problem with um, just using a, a normal Group Twenty Eight. Um, or using an alternative to um, Bayigo is that um, you're never quite going to know whether when the weevils are going to stick their head up. So that's the real advantage that Bayigo brings to the to the to the grower in that he can have a safeguard when he's out there using his codling moth control, which the majority of them use. They often do back to back spray, back to back to back sprays over over a season, and um, yeah, now they can be covered for weevils as well in the same industry. So covered for weevils in the same same product there, you said, the same mm. application? Yeah, it's a great great advantage to, uh, you know, not only will you cover your Lepidoptera or your, your moths, you, you, you pick up your, your weevils as well. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's something. Yep, very handy. So, Darren, let's, um, let's spell Viego for listeners out there who may have not be aware of how that's spelt. So how do we – which order do we put these a bit like uh, – bit like the old uh, game show. I can't remember the name now, but you have to pick your vowels and your letters. Which order do the A and the E go in Viego? And the O, actually. And you spell it out well, for us. Well, ego is not a dirty word, but uh, um, having the, the V-A-Y in front of it can help you easily remember how to say it. So oh, very good. Viego. Viego. Thanks very much, Nate. That's really good because... Yep, you could put those uh, vowels in any order and maybe come up with the same thing, but it's a really important point. And the reason I wanted you to do that was, again, search for Viego uh, on our website, crop.bayer.com.au, and you can get some really useful information there about the product um, and all of Bayer products, in fact, but again, referring to just some fantastic resources that are being produced to really support this. So what is Viego? Uh, the label, SDS, which crops it can be used in at a glance, um, also the compatibility profile that it also has. And, uh, of course, contacts to Bayer representatives just like Darren and myself uh, if growers want to know more about it. Darren, um, I'm just going to head across the border, really, if I can get across there, that is. I'm sure I can at the moment. Um, no, literally, I'll be talking with Aidan Gorman over in uh, Victoria about um, Viego on stone, fruit, and also almonds. So he's going to give us some early user experiences uh, from the first year of the product being around, and that's going to be really interesting as well. That's all good, Whitey. Cheers for that. Much appreciate your time. Uh, always a pleasure having you on Bayer Hawkcast, Darren, and we'll have you on future ones, no doubt, on other topics. But uh, for now, I'll head across the border and catch up with Aiden. Look forward to it. See you, mate. 
Well, I've just been over in South Australia, but now crossed over the border into Victoria, um, southern New South Wales, and catching up with Aidan Gorman, who's our Territory Business Manager based in Swan Hill over there on the Murray River. G'day, Aidan. How are you today? G'day, Craig. Good to be uh, part of the podcast. Uh, great to have you on your first Hawkcast, actually, uh, here, Aidan. So just give listeners a little bit about uh, a little bit of background about yourself, where you're based, I said Swan Hill, but you know what uh, area are you covering and what sort of crops? I've been based in Swan Hills probably since 2014 with Bayer. So predominantly along, along the Murray River, uh, up into that Sunraysia region, uh, Muldura, as people would know it, Robinvale, uh, and then back down towards uh, Shepparton region, so the Golden Valley. So that really incorporates a lot of palm fruit and stone fruit. Uh, and then also the Griffith region, which is uh, yeah predominantly a lot of wine grape, citrus, uh, and really almonds. In the last sort of ten or fifteen years, that's grown in that region, like Hilston. People would know that region. So um, yeah, pretty pretty diverse in crops that we do look after. But the probably the the big key ones are almonds, uh, palm fruits, apples and pears, uh, stone fruit around the Swan Hill region and Cobham region. Uh, citrus, table grapes, wine grapes are probably round out my key crops that I'm really focused on, so perennial crops. Uh, very good, and I was talking to Darren Alexander and earlier in the podcast, Ian Cook from Western Australia, uh, just commenting about how much you know nice fruit there is around at the moment. It's really good, and of course, you know, Bayer Solutions are a part of, of getting that good fruit to market, and we wanted to talk today or extend on what Darren Alexander sort of introduced as far as Viago insecticide and just where that's been fitting especially with the uh, stone fruit but also in the almonds so let's step through each of those crops Aidan and just have a talk through uh, what you've been seeing it's now around you know one whole season that Viago has been in the uh, in the market and yeah what, what are you seeing what are growers and advisors telling you that's doing out there yeah so it's been well the first uh, commercial year it's been available so we're in the end of March now so I'll begin with stone fruit. So we've uh, had a full season there. Um, really wouldn't be much stone fruit left on the trees uh, now. But, uh, yeah, initially, last couple of years probably been a little bit drier. Um, so cup office beetle hasn't been as uh, dominant. So um, hasn't been a key pest. But, yeah, this season we saw earlier on around, particularly around the sort of Swan Hill area, Around November, we had a few rain events. They were talking La Nina, and we, we did get some heavy sort of rainfalls in certain regions. So that sort of brought them along. Um, so we did definitely, we, yeah, Vago got a good look at, um, yeah, into stone fruit. And we did see, yeah, we definitely saw some some damage from Carpophilus beetle, but the Vago did seem to stand up. So we had a lot of, uh, what's very bad year for split stone. So when the stone uh, separates, um, so in the the nectarine or the stone fruit, um, then obviously that creates a bit of a haven for carpophilus beetle. They burrow down in there. But um, even where we saw split stone, we weren't seeing the like the beetle was there, but we weren't seeing a lot of um, like new um, or burrowing in um, from the carpophilus beetle. Uh, so it it did seem to, even though the, the pressure was there didn't seem to create its own um, hole or damage. And once it does that, the uh, the stone fruit's obviously unsaleable. So, yeah, I think we had some some pretty good use um, in that sort of – probably that went for about a month or so where there was high pressure and then it seemed to drop off again. So, um, 
yeah, and then it sort of just went back to spraying as per as we needed to. But uh, yeah, it seemed like it was performing quite well. And speaking with numerous sort of uh, resellers and agronomists out there that were definitely keen to look at it, and I think more so around the uh, some of the older chemistry they have been using. Um, yeah, it can be a little bit um, harsh on some of the IPM or the beneficials. So that was, I think, with the, the Vega coming into the market, they're keen to look at it a little bit uh, just purely on its yeah, beneficial species profile. Seems to be pretty good compared to some of the options that were out there. Yeah, no, it sounds really interesting and really good. I mean, <clears throat> Viego looks like it's got, you know, that strong activity against the, uh, as you said, the beetles there, the weevils. Um, we'll talk about moths in a moment, but... Um, also, you know, activity on all life stages is another feature of it and can stop feeding damage really quickly. Um, and as you said there too, soft on the key beneficial insects, including yes. mites and things, and a short withholding period. So, yeah, just a little bit more perhaps about, you know, um, the different activity in this feeding damage um, point that, that uh, we make yep. about it. Yeah, so that's what we saw, particularly in the in the stone fruit as well. So it didn't seem to be, uh, yeah, the feeding damage fairly minor if we did see anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're burrowing in uh, any further, maybe get a little bit of that skin skin damage. But, um, yeah, it does seem to be, yeah, that cessation is fairly quick. So um, that's exactly what we're after in, in any sort of uh, environment, whether that be almonds or say codling moth in, in palm fruit as well if we can yeah it's got a, it's obviously all ingestion um so they do need to take some in but uh it seems to be very quick and yeah what they what damage they do leave behind is yeah, very limited or minimal so should still be able to get through to the pack uh, pack shed yeah really important so, point aiden to get it get it through yep so, yeah, a lot of great features there, as we know, from Viego, and there's great resources also, Aidan, on our website, crop.bayer.com.au, and in the resources tab, if you look up Viego, and Darren Alexander helped us um, with the spelling of that, so we can look it up correctly. He gave a really good account of how we can remember that. Remember, it's uh, put Vey before your ego, V-A-Y-E-G-O. And that I'd like to know where it. they come up with these uh, names, Craig. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. I thought it was really important with Darren to make sure because if you go searching for it and you've only heard it on here, you may not know how to spell it and never find it. But Viego, some great resources, including um, information on all those points we just talked about, including you know the beneficial insect profile, the value of the product and your contacts for the key team. Uh, in this area, including yours there, Aidan, um, on the back page of the resource brochure there. But let's turn now, you mentioned uh, almonds. So um, yes. very, you know, very nice. A lot of people love almonds. Um, some people are allergic to them too, but the majority, thank goodness, uh, absolutely love a handful of almonds to keep them going through the day. So it's really important we have them. So let's step through. What's Viago doing in almonds? Yes, yeah, yeah. So... Well, predominantly, think of almonds. It's been a, it's probably one of the, the newer crops in Australia, or hort crops. Sort of began in the sort of the mid '80s. It's really grown into a considerable um, or very sizable um, industry now. So, and a lot of that's in in my area around that sort of Sunraysia, um, up in the MIA Hilston region. So, um, and basically, while we're yeah, Carpophilus beetle really probably came through probably last four or five, six years or so ago. Um, it was causing some significant damage uh, into that kernel 
um, and basically making it well not unmarketable because you can still there's lots of different ways you can use almonds but yeah just creating getting it into the lower category it's obviously not worth as much so mm -hmm. um, the almond industry have been great in terms of doing a lot more cultural practices so um, trying to get rid of um, what they're called they're called mummy nuts basically they stick tights on the tree and normally from a disease or something previous year um, so they sort of harbour um, these carpophilus beetles um, or even carob moss. So that's sort of where it stemmed from. But And as the industry's gotten better, um, damage has, has been reduced, but it's still a pest of, um, of significance. So, um, yeah, probably the last few years it's been the dry seasons again um, have probably reduced the pressure a bit. But we have seen some in certain areas this year. I know up around um, sort of in that MIA it was a little bit wetter over summer. So it's probably been the pressure's been a little bit higher there. But other regions probably – it's definitely there and, um, yeah, causing some damage. So it's been great to have Vago as an option uh, for Beetle. Uh, there are a couple of other options there. But, um, yeah, obviously with our option now, and I think just recently we've added Carob Moth onto the label as well. Um, so two of the key pests at that, basically once you get that nut split or hole split is when they're really uh, damaging that kernel. So we've got a product basically does the, the two key pests at the, at the similar timing. So right. it's a great tool to have, um, yeah, in that space. So, uh, yeah, first year, uh, it's probably, yeah, feedback has been okay at this point, but it's obviously it'll go through the um, processing facilities and those sorts of things. So it'll just be really great to see what uh, some of the further feedback has been. But, um, yeah, some of the work that we've done, it looks pretty good. So, um, yeah, just great to have a, another product into the into the almond space. Yep, as you say, part of a you know, whole approach there, some cultural methods and other things as yes. well as this good chemistry that can come in and, and really slow those pests down, pests down rapidly so they don't yes. create too much damage. So that's really, really good news. Um, excellent. And then further to that um, as well, codling moth. I know we mentioned we wanted to just talk briefly on codling moth in palm fruit. Yes, um, so that's a yeah obviously a key pest uh, probably in the GV or the Golden Valley, uh, big area for apples and pears. It's been a pest for a, yeah a long time. So um, yeah, it's been good to introduce a new product for them. Um, so yeah, it's a Group Twenty Eight. So there is a, another product there. Altcore has been a, probably the stalwart in uh, in managing that for a long time. Um, but yeah, look, we've had a, a really good first year. Um, we've had some yeah some good uh, supporters with it. So um, yeah, and feedback has been has really been quite positive so far. So, uh, pressure's been there this year again, um, but yeah, it looks to have stood up. Um, and obviously that that quick cessation of feeding is probably as it, well, the most important um, with the uh, the codling moth in the apples today or the pears. You just don't want that um, that feeding damage basically on the skin of the apple. Um, can basically yeah turns it into second grade fruit. It's got to either get chucked out or or used elsewhere. So uh, that's what we've noticed. It's really if you do see a little sort of sting or blind sting, it's fairly minor on the fruit. Um, so it seems to have yeah that quick satiation is really really quite quick and and effective in uh, in keeping um, yeah the codling moth at bay and and reducing the the damage. So it's been a, a really good year so far, first year. So uh, keen to see it in the, in the following years. But, uh, yeah, a really good introduction first year. Uh, great news. And I'm sure in future Bayer Hawkcast episodes we'll touch even further on it as it develops as a product throughout those very important uh, poem, stone, 
fruits and almonds and other nuts, of course, um, really good. And again, crop.bayer.com.au, there's a great way to get information there. And also you can get in touch with Bayer representatives. Uh, the details are on the website. But Aidan, I know um, Twitter is something that you are active on and you could um, be got in touch with there. What's your Twitter handle, mate? Yeah, mate. So it's just at ADOS, A-E-D-O-S underscore 33. So ADOS at ADOS underscore 33, so A-E-D-O-S underscore 33, that's really great. And, you know, we've covered a lot on this uh, podcast today, this Hawkcast, from some of your colleagues around the country. And, you know, we've looked right back to uh, Serenade Opti for a range of crops as well. Talked about the introduction of a new registration of lunar sensation into lettuce for sclerotinia, then moved on very importantly to this exciting development in the horticulture space of um, Viego uh, for all these high-value tree crops. So I just want to thank you so much for explaining to listeners a few of the uh, outcomes so far in its first season and and just some of the attributes that the uh, product is bringing. It's been really great. Uh, It's been great to provide a bit of a season review. So, yeah, hopefully we'll do it another day soon. No worries. Thanks very much, Aidan. We'll uh, catch up with you another time. Good on you, Craig. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to this Bayer Hortcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1800 804 479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.